Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so glad that you are here today and God's word is going to bless you. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. Meet me in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 25. And let's talk about a subject that I've titled the agony of wrong alliances. Woo, praise God. And I believe that this is a timely message that you need to hear, ponder, and consider because of the great things that God wants to do in your life. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We ask that he would quicken our understanding and also our obedience. Now, Father, we thank you for the help of your Holy Spirit bringing your word to our remembrance and guarding and protecting us from any wrong alliance. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we pray, and we all agree and say, Amen. Now, verse 1, Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. Of course, that would be the king of Judah. You had the southern kingdom, and you had the northern kingdom that was in apostasy, the northern kingdom uh, with a, uh, a mix of endeavoring to worship Jehovah, while at the same time bowing down to every other type of false god that you could possibly think of, along with the, um, uh, the various places where they had set up the uh, golden calf, uh, uh, you know, form of idolatry and worship. So we see here that he is, of course, the king over Judah, and he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. Okay, so he would be the ninth king in the uh, southern dynasty. Okay, verse 2, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. So he had some really good in him, and he also had some, we could call it like an Achilles heel, a weak area that he was not fully willing to address. Verse 5, moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds according to their father's houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. Now we do see that the overall number has been reduced and that would be because of some previous wars and battles in which they have lost men. But all in all, okay, you've got a good army. And so that's okay. But then we start to get into verse 6, and things go in the wrong direction. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from where? From Israel. Okay, now we have mixture. So there in Judah, you have a faithful remnant, and they are endeavoring to continue to serve Jehovah, and of course, the only authorized place for worship is actually Jerusalem, <laughs> you know, not up in these other places where they are bowing down to the golden calf at and uh, all the other forms of idolatry. So now we have the king of Judah endeavoring to have an alliance with those who are completely out of God's will, who know they are and they don't care. And so this is a problem. 
He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him. Thank God for the uh, ministry in the Old Testament of the prophet, the seer, who could see or hear from God and deliver the message to the king in this case. Now, in our lives today, God could certainly send a prophet to us, but now we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, so we should be able to pick up on the inner witness. And of course, the Holy Spirit can really help us in these areas when there are uh, like when there's like a fork in the road, and we need to know what to do. Now, listen to verse seven. But a man of God came to him, saying, "O king." Do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. So all of the northern ten tribes, God recognizes that they are all in rebellion, that they're all in idolatry, and God's not with any of them. And now Amaziah has joined himself uh, he has hired them, and so now you have a problem. Now, there is the word of wisdom in operation right here, given by the prophet to the king. And if you obey it, uh, God can get you out of the mess. But if you don't, we do need to talk about repercussions that are very real. Now, verse 8, but if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. He's just... Uh, kind of playing around here a little bit. The anointing can give you tremendous boldness to do that. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Now, the emphasis here is that the, there's a way out. Just call the whole thing off, and you don't need them. I, I know maybe that you think you do. Uh, I know they want to be connected with you because God's with you. And they can pick up on that, uh, but that doesn't mean this is something that you should do because God's not with any of them. And now we're going to have a, uh, we have a situation here like oil and water. It's not going to mix no matter how much we pray about it or how much we want it to succeed. So God lets the king know that God's able to help, but he's also able, able to overthrow. He's, he's able to overthrow. And he's not talking about overthrowing you know, like the bad army that they're going to go up against. He's not even talking about overthrowing the army of Israel. He's talking about overthrowing Amaziah. And basically what the prophet is saying, look, if you go, you're as good as dead. And this is a sight of God that you need to understand that there can be very um, cruel consequences of getting teamed up with wrong people going in a wrong direction, and they could even be what I call fake Christians. They're, they're the ones that can uh, talk in tongues, hallelujah, and, do, and they've learned the church lingo, and God's not with them one bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they have no problem lying. They have no problem cheating and deceiving or cheating on their taxes or whatever it might be. And it doesn't bother them at all. <laughs> and they go to church all the time <laughs> and they want you to go into business and do a deal with them. Oh, it'll be a deal. Trust me. You'll never forget. <laughs> and it's all banked and geared towards their profit 
and you're just some kind of a tool that they're going to use maybe even a fall guy or a fall gal that's going to take the blame while they uh, make off with the money or whatever the case might be. And um, But uh, God has the ability to help. He can help you out so that you can win. You don't need their help. Just stick with the Lord. And he can all, God can also overthrow. He can overthrow you. And that's, that's quite sobering. And we need to consider these things. Then Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? He's already paid them. And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Okay. So Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim, told them to go back home. Now, of course, they got really upset about that, and uh, <laughs> uh, they caused some problems uh, as they went off basically kind of uh, in a rampaging fit. But nevertheless, at least uh, the king got out of this situation. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. We need to understand this side of God. This is a side of God that... Um, it's not often talked about in the American churches, but we need to balance grace with the reality of these other verses that run not only throughout the Old Testament, but straight through the New Testament as well. Praise God. Here's what I want to say. When God has invested a lot into an individual who is a believer, whether it's a man or woman, or even some, in some rare cases, it could be a young person that God has poured a lot into for whatever reason. Maybe the person had uh, uh, tremendously pay, uh, praying parents and praying grandparents, and so they're going to mature. That young person is going to mature at a much quicker age. But uh, those are pretty rare exceptions. We'll actually look at one here in a moment. But for the most case, most cases, let's talk about an adult that God has invested a lot into, and this person has grown and developed into what we would call the mature things of God, knows clearly between right and wrong, and is also very, very familiar with the anointing. When you get on that level, you come into a zone where your life becomes very, very different from the believer who lost his Bible one month ago and still hasn't realized it's gone because he's not reading it. (laughs) So your life becomes extremely different. And when God has poured that much into you, he expects you to do the right thing. And if you don't, the consequences in some cases can be very, very swift. And here, this prophet's telling the king, if you go off into war and you, you... allow Israel to go with you, God's going to overthrow you. You're going to get killed in the battle. And the king realizes, hey, this guy's telling me the honest truth, and I like my life. I'm still a young guy, and I want to live. So my friends, when you're walking in that kingly anointing, and you have been anointed because the kings of Israel were, the kings of Judah, they were anointed, then you carry power, responsibility, authority, and anointing. And if you Uh, don't realize what you're carrying and you maybe esteem it lightly. You could get yourself in a pickle real quick. And, uh, and here in this case, if he had not straightened up, his life would have been over with that day when they had gone in the battle, they were not going to win. And God would have been the one that overthrew the King, his own King. Wow. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. A lot riding on these types of things. 
Praise the Lord. Alliances are very crucial to understand so that you have peace in your life and you don't get caught in situations that now distract you and give you mental agony. I remember one preacher cried. He said he was crying out to God, praying, God, this person is causing havoc in my ministry. You know, Lord, Lord help me. And the Lord said, well, you're the one that hired him. <laughs> <laughs> you hired that person and turned them loose and authorized them, and you should have never done it. And yeah, they're causing a lot of problems. Uh, and, and then, you know, sometimes people like that, you're looking at almost like legal challenges and legal issues to get them out, and it's just a big mess. Woo! What happened? A wrong alliance. Somebody was brought in. And uh, they were obviously not who they presented themselves to be. But if you find this out later, uh, it's too late. And you could be into a real situation. You know, I had, a, I had something happen uh, sometime back. I won't say when, and I'm going to be a little bit vague here intentionally, where uh, I had a contract presented to me to go on a certain network. And I'll be honest, my wife, never felt good about this particular network. Now, here's the thing. If I, would talk, if I were talking to you back in the 1990s, uh, there's only two networks, so you could figure it out. But today, there are so many networks that, no, you couldn't, you, uh, it's, it's too obscure, and I want it to be like that on purpose. But, um, but so Kelly didn't feel good about this network, and I thought, well, it does certainly seem to be kind of sensual, like like carnal. This is supposed to be a Christian network, but it didn't seem to have an emphasis of uh, anything to do with soul winning, but yet it had a lot of coverage, and they were offering uh, our ministry a really good rate. And of course, our uh, our agent, our agency that we work with that works in the purchasing of the airtime, they thought it was a great deal, and it was on paper, but something something didn't seem right. Well, I got down to the day I had to make a decision. They want, you know, some time went by. I was praying on it, but never really kind of got a clear word from the Lord. So I was kind of really in the middle. I wasn't going to do anything until I knew because, uh, you know, these contracts, you're signing these. And so the, the bills start coming in by the thousands. So I've got to get it right. Not only that, I want to do what God wants me to do. And I was uh, uh, up early on that morning, and I was in prayer, and I actually happened to open my Bible to this scripture here in Second Chronicles chapter 25, and I no more ex expected this to happen than, you know, for, um, you know, me to be the first guy to land on Mars or something like that, but this is what took place. I was reading my Bible, verse 7, and I was reading it, and this is what it said, but a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with, and as I looked at my Bible, God inserted the name of that network right there. And I said, my Lord, I said, you're not with that network? The Lord said, I'm not with them one bit. I said, oh my goodness. <laughs> I said, wow. I mean, I saw God insert it into like, like what the text and that, it, you know, of course that's a word of wisdom for me. And I said, Lord, I know what to do. I'm not signing that contract for anything. 
And so I told our agency, just tell them, thank you for the opportunity. God bless you. Um, but uh, the Lord told me no. Okay. And, and that's always a great out. If you ever need an out, just tell people. Uh, and you don't need to explain it. All you need to do is say, the Lord told me no. And so that was our response. Well, Pastor Stephen, what would happened? What would have happened if you had gone ahead and done it? Well, if I would have gone ahead after directly having a supernatural experience where God says no, uh, stuff like that shortens your lifespan. Praise the Lord. That's just a nice, sweet way of saying it. <laughs> but I will tell you this, at the least, if I would have gone ahead with that, God wouldn't have put a penny towards it. And the next thing I would have known, I'm sitting around, I would be sitting around struggling. Where's the money coming from? It doesn't make any sense. We don't have enough money to pay this bill. This bill's a thousands of dollars. Uh, and God wouldn't have given me a penny for it. Let me tell you, God has the ability to help. Yes. When you're doing what he wants you to do. And if, and if he's invested in you and you go off and do something willfully in the wrong direction, he has the ability. Oh, he, he has such ease of ability to overthrow you. Woo. Praise God. Don't ever forget it. Amen. Yes. I love grace. Mm, I love forgiveness. I love the, I love first John chapter one, verse nine. Amen. But let us not abuse these other scriptures and act like they don't exist because they run throughout the entire word of God. Woo. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's go over to Second Chronicles chapter 18. Pretty close by. A little bit of a similar type situation. Stick with me today. I want to share some things with you because of the great destiny God has for your life. And of course, the enemy can, uh, he doesn't know your future because he's not omniscient like God is. But he can look at a believer and he can see a light or what we would call an aura that can be over certain ones that God has his hand on to do things. And that person is committed to the Lord. They're in the spirit realm. There's a light on such people and the enemy can pick up a little bit about what that trajectory is. And he will be uh, at certain places waiting to offer his uh, like in the Chronicle of Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia, his Turkish delight, his form of temptation to try to derail you. Mm -mm. Now, and we're not going to receive it, of course. But verse 1 of Second Chronicles chapter 18, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And by marriage, he allied himself with Ahab. What in the world did he do that for? Mm. Look, we all have areas where... You, you need help. I don't have eyes in the back of my head. I thank God for my wife. Okay. I thank God also for trusted ministers that can speak into my life and give me not baloney, but wise counsel, not what I want to hear because maybe my flesh wants to go a certain route, but we'll be honest and uh, say, Hey, what, what in the world would you want to do that for? And Jehoshaphat needed some friends like that to praise the Lord. And so here he is. He's already got wealth. He's got riches. He's got honor. Why does he need to, what does he think he, does he need Ahab for? 
Well, you, the moment you, you hear Ahab, you think wickedness. You think a crook. You think of a twisted, conniving, bribe-taking, bought, sold, and paid for political, kingly politician. Oh, my goodness. Verse 2, after some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance with him and the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead, and it almost killed him. It almost killed Jehoshaphat. And if it were for not for a prophet that God sent and bailed Jehoshaphat out, uh, that, that alliance would have sent him to an early grave. Mm-mm. Now, let's go to chapter 19. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you want to read about how Jehoshaphat barely escaped just before he got killed, that's verses 29 and 30, 31. Okay, now on to uh, chapter 19. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. Yeah, he barely made it. <laughs> barely made it. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Wow. So, so Jehoshaphat went from this place of uh, God seeing how well he's doing. He's walking in obedience. He's staying away from sin. He's living right. He's got wealth. He's got honor and riches, but he makes a wrong turn with a wrong alliance with a very wicked man. Oh, but Pastor Stephen Ahab was the king of Israel. Yep, and he was just as crooked and perverted as could be. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And so Hanani laid into the king, said, what are you doing hanging out with this guy? Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? So now, now there is wrath of God that's hanging over Jehoshaphat. Woo! Mm-mm. He's skating on thin ice. You don't need any wicked alliances. It's very, very dangerous. You have to watch these things because of what God is going to do in your life. Look just for a moment at verse 7. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and it is to depart from evil. Get away from sin. Praise the Lord. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it. For there is no iniquity with, our, with the Lord our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. Mm-mm. If you ever take a bribe, they own you. It doesn't matter if it's $5. There's a wonderful spirit-filled Christian man that God has used up in Canada to be a great blessing to his own people, the Cree people, C-R-E-E. That is a native Indian tribe there in Canada. God has raised this man up to help stop the plundering and the pillaging of his own people by the nation stealing resources that are in the land that belong to the Cree nation. So he and others said, hey, we, we've had it. 
with all of the natural resources that belong to our family ancestry being stolen and timber companies driving out with all of our timber, mining companies taking minerals and material from our land that belongs to us, and we're not getting anything for it. He said, we're going to do something about it, and they did. And the government basically said, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're right. These lands do belong to you, and so we're going to set up contracts with you so that if there's any business done, it's done legally, it's done lawfully, and what belongs to you, there will be just compensation for what is transacted upon. Okay, so God has worked with this man to now set the nation up of his own people, a nation within the nation of the Cree people, where they now have billions of dollars in the bank. Now, in, in, uh, in their community, among their own people, in their own native language, they actually have no word for million doesn't exist. And they, they don't have a word for billion either. <laughs> so he, he said he was trying to explain to his people how much money they have now. And it's hard to do because there's no word in their language for million or billion. So he basically said, hey, do you see all of these trees that are just, uh, you know, beyond number? They said, yeah. He said, that's, that's kind of like how much money we have, but we have more money than trees. They said, okay, <laughs> we, we have a lot of money now. Yeah, they do. They do. Watch the other part of these things. This man said that one night, 11.45 p.m. at night, the phone rings. He answers the phone. There is a representative on the other end who is making him an offer. $32 million. The man on the other end of the phone says, we will give you and your family $32 million cash. Now, of course, it's not like physical cash, but it's money, boom, straight into his account, okay? We'll give you $32 million if you back off and don't do anything and you let us come in here and do our thing and you kind of like sign off on it so we can come in here and basically go back to plundering and pillaging like we used to do. And it was a large mining company. He said, I'm not interested. They said, oh, okay. Phone call's over. He instantly gets on the phone, calls his lawyer, because you want everything recorded. You want everything uh, written out. of anything, anything that happens like that, validate it. Get it down. He calls his lawyer and said, I just want to let you know what happened. I was just offered a bribe of $32 million. And his attorney said, uh, what did you say? He said, I'm not interested. He said, you didn't even think about it? He said, no. He said, I just told him I'm not interested. And you know what his attorney said? He said, wow. He said, I'll, he said, I'll be honest. As your personal attorney, I would have gotten 15% of that. I... I, I would have entertained the thought. Well, it doesn't matter because it never happened. But why? Because he's not for sale. Neither must you be. Whether you're Jehoshaphat or Amaziah or this man, you must never be for sale. Mm, 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 mm. I'm telling you, stuff happens when the anointing is strong. 
and God is moving, whether it's a financial anointing that you come into and suddenly you're making more money than you've ever seen in your life. It, you, you are having the boat sinking, massive catch, haul, and you're just like, wow. It's, whether it's financial world or the business world, or whether it's the ministry world with a strong anointing, uh, the enemy, he'll, he'll slither in there. Watch out because the best is yet to come. You haven't seen anything. Do not sell out. Do not compromise. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. And that character of Christ must be reflected in you in order to be able to stand in the last day's glory that is just now beginning to inkle, uh, trinkle out. You haven't seen anything of what God wants to do, but you're going to have to stick with the Lord. Don't play the games like some of these guys have done, hooking up with Ahab. No, no, you don't need, I know, I'm going to admit Ahab had a lot of money, but who cares? God can bless you. You don't need Ahab and his crooked self hanging out with you, whispering into your ear with his silly forked tongue. Mm-mm-mm-mm. The stronger the anointing, the more cautious you must be. You know, my wife and I were in the beautiful country of Uganda. The year was 1998. You know, Uganda used to be called the Black Pearl of Africa. And that was for, before Idi Amin went in there and just wrecked the nation. He killed all of the wildlife, or most of it. I mean, he's, he was killing all the gorillas, all of the beautiful, like, natural uh, animals, uh, resources that people would come from all over the world to see. He had his soldiers shooting all of the animals and, and shooting a lot of people, to innocent people. He was, he was the butcher, they called him. But, um, you know, Uganda was beginning to come out of that agony and pain. And God was beginning to raise up men and women who would pray. And let me tell you a story. When I was in uh, Uganda, you, you, of course, you, you, know, you land in Kampala, the international airport. We went out to a place called Jinja. And, um, and then further out, there's some other revival areas of, I would call them remnant revival areas. But the pastor took us to, after all of our meetings were over, we had fantastic meetings there after they were done. He said, I want to take you to a place and show you uh, what had happened with the tremendous move of God. And he took me out to this area, me and Kelly, and we drove up on this uh, large open area and we saw these, um, uh, it kind of looked like pole barns. There's just poles, wooden poles, and they're holding up tin roofs. And it just goes on and on and on about as far as you can see. And stacked underneath these tin roofs were mattresses, bed mattresses piled up like tin piled up right here, stacked on top of each other. And then another tin and another tin and on and on and on it with just as many mattresses as you could see. I mean, I don't know where they bought them all, but some fur some mattress company must've made a lot of money because I've never seen so many mattresses in my life. And I said, what is this? And the pastor said, he said, Pastor Stephen, there was a great revival here that happened with a great man of God. Let me tell you about him. This man came 
he was from Uganda. He went and got trained in ministry in Canada. God told him after he graduated from the Bible school, go back to Uganda and get ready for my spirit to move. So he goes back to Uganda. He's now trained as a, as a minister. And he leads his church into a 40-day fast, seeking for the power of God. Remember, at this time, AIDS was like going off the charts. 30% of all the people at that time had AIDS. And that's basically people's organs rotting on the inside. So they do a 40-day fast that he's leading, no food, and they come off the 40-day fast and didn't, didn't see the power of God that they were expecting. So he leads them right back into another 40-day fast. No food. And so they, they go through that. And they come off that and still don't see that power the way that they want to see God's glory come down. So they do a third 40-day fast with no food. And they, he comes off that. The church comes off that. And the power of God came in a way that if you, you, if you actually see some of the old videos of this man ministry, I think the only word for it is like electrified. I mean, it was, it was off the charts. And yes, there were people that were validated by doctors that these people before tested positive for AIDS, afterwards go back to the same test after they had been prayed for or laid on those mattresses in that anointing and in that glory. And then later the test would show negative. So there were quite, there, there was a lot of miracles and deliverances and other things, but a lot of miraculous healing of incurable diseases, uh, uh, of course, including that of AIDS. And so for 12 months, this apostle, this Ugandan man of God had tremendous success. I mean, in powerful, powerful meetings. And there was an American, get ready for this, get ready. Here's the curveball. There was an American evangelist, famous, very well known, had his own TV show. Hallelujah. Okay. And this American evangelist said, I'm going to come over there and help you. And I'm going to do meetings too. We'll, we'll form an alliance together. We'll do an alliance together. And the Ugandan apostle, who's already, I mean, just packed out meetings, off the chart miracles, says, okay, I'll meet you when you get here. And so the American evangelist shows up. The Ugandan apostle gets in a car to drive to where the American evangelist is at. He's in the car. I think there's like four other people. They drive in the car on the way. The car has a wreck and he gets killed. Everybody, I think everybody in the car got killed. But, you know, of course, everybody's thinking about him. Yeah. So he got killed. So here he was at the peak of his ministry operating in tremendous anointing. And he paid the price to receive God's grace. And, uh, it, and, and the, the nation is being healed and revival is in the nation. And he gets killed on the way to go meet this American evangelist. Pastor Stephen, what in the world's wrong with that? Well, if it would have been a good alliance, I'm sure it could have received a blessing from the Lord, but there was just one small problem. The American evangelist was a practicing homosexual and was having sexual relations with men 
in his church. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, he had a large church. Yeah, he sure did. Probably had quite a few people to uh, tempt and bait into. And this is not hearsay. This was actually put out on a, uh, one of his associate pastors who was being abused by him all the time, uh, did a secret phone recording, recorded the whole thing, presented it to the FBI, to an FBI man who was a professional voice analyzer, and then was presented to another law enforcement person. It was put out. It was 100% proven. Yep. That's you could tell his voice just on the tape recording. I didn't listen to it. It's too, too gross and disgusting. I wouldn't want to listen to it. All the filthy, dirty talk of the relations going on and stuff like that. And him admitting all the stuff he's doing. And so, yeah, he was, he was involved in some really, really bad stuff and practicing it and not repenting and running with it for decades. He's dead now, of course, that, uh, that minister. But, uh, here's the thing. You're walking in a very holy anointing that's pure. God's doing miracles and stuff like that. And you're going to go join and come into an alliance with a pervert, with a person that is deep in sin. Now, of course, people suspected it for many years. A lot of people said, I think that guy's into a lot of perversion. Yeah, he sure was. And it came out later, you know, all the yucky, gross stuff. And he never repented, was just doing it for decades and decades. You know, it's true that God is so good. He's the only God that's so good that he can fire one of his preachers, but still let him keep on working for him. But he's fired. He's fired. Doesn't, you know, so he's not on God's payroll. He does, you know, but he's still over there doing his thing because you got to keep on bringing some money in somehow. You know, he can't stop getting another job somewhere. He doesn't know what else to do. So he keeps the, keeps the, the thing going, although it's totally devoid of the Holy Spirit's power. Mm-mm. Very interesting dynamics. So that incredible minister was killed as a young man because God was in no way going to allow that pure sacred anointing to be mixed with something with such defilement. He got killed on the way to the meeting. Pastor Stephen, did God kill him? No, God didn't do it. The devil did it, and the devil had a wide open door to do it because of disobedience. Well, Pastor Stephen, maybe he didn't know. Ignorance is not an excuse at that level. You get to that level, and, it, and you've, got, you've got a real strong anointing, or you've got a lot of money coming in or something like that, or even if you're not known, but you're stewarding this because God has a future for you. you. You better not fumble the ball and claim ignorance. No, no God's not buying that. And the devil doesn't either because he, if he has an open door to take out a person like that, he most absolutely will. He most absolutely will. Woo! Glory to God. First Kings chapter 13. Mm-mm. I could tell you a story after story uh, uh, for hours, for hours of some real crazy stuff that happened because of horrible alliances, the pure um, aligning with the wicked. And then God say, nah, 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 I didn't give you all of that, all that anointing and all that blessing to come over here and defile it like that. And they, they were dead. They were dead. Pastor Stephen, is that in the New Testament? Well, what about Ananias and Sapphira? Absolutely. Dropped dead. Glory to God, right in front of Peter, Peter the apostle. But remember what was going on, mega revival. This guy had such an anointing on him that if you got within the proximity of his shadow, you could get healed of anything. 
healing anointing off the charts. (laughs) Now, it's hard to sustain that because it takes tremendous commitment and dedication to walk into that. But there was an earth-shaking revival going on. And if you, you got in the presence, see, here's the thing about real thick glory. It accelerates everything. It accelerates healing. It accelerates seed time and harvest. The only problem is that if you're sowing the wrong seed, such as blatant lies, your harvest can come within five minutes, within five seconds. And Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. But they, you know, they dropped in the, the, the husband and then the wife in the New Testament church. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. You'll know better. You're, you're armed with the knowledge of the word. You're armed with the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in this anointing. This glory that's coming is the glory wave that will come in and there will be uh, no more ebb. In other words, it's not going to come in and go back out like so many revivals have over the years, over the decades, over the centuries. The revival comes in, lasts maybe at the most three years, and then goes back out. And then another one comes in 40 years later and comes back in and then lasts for a little bit and then goes back out. But this is the one, there will be no more ebb. The revival will come in, the glory will come in, and God's expecting us to walk in this until the Lord comes back to take us home to be with him. Praise God. Praise God. First Kings chapter 13, verse 7. Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. Woo, the king? Oh, wow. Well, here's the situation. You've got a young prophet here operating in tremendous anointing. He goes before the king. Of course, the king is not living right and uh, pronounces judgment and says that the altar is going to split. And the king points out his hand and his arm and finger and says, arrest him. In other words, arrest the prophet. How dare he speak against me? Well, when he sticks his hand out, his hand instantly locks and seizes and withers. And he can't, he can't even pull it back. And the altar splits in half. (laughs) <laughs> and the king's like, oh, <laughs> looking at his hand all messed up. And, oh, he's like, oh, you know, pray for me. So the prophet uh, does entreat the Lord, and the king's hand was restored like it was before. And the king's like, oh, don't mess with this guy. This guy's radioactive. And he's like, well, you know, look, come, come to my palace with me, and I'll give you a meal. I'll give you a reward, and then you can go. But the man of God said to the king, this is the young prophet. He said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord saying, you shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. So he's doing pretty good. For some reason, the king's temptation was not too hard for him. See, look, we all have different areas. Maybe, maybe we feel there's a void. Maybe we need, uh, uh, or, or we think that we need somebody's approval. Uh, obviously, for him, the king's approval is not really a temptation. But an old, squirrely old prophet who's a liar is going to pop in on the scene now 
And there's something about him being an old prophet, probably jealous of the anointing on this young one, and this older prophet realizing he never fulfilled his ministry because of whatever screw-ups he had in his life. Uh, but he's going to pop in on the scene. And this, this is a temptation for the young prophet to perhaps maybe want the approval of the old general of the guard, who is now pretty much irrelevant because of, you know, the glory is now lifted and, it's, you know, he, this guy's not walking it anymore. But sometimes people want that. And uh, they, they have this weakness of wanting the approval of men. But the reality is that God doesn't even approve of that man. Perhaps that could be a situation that somebody is facing. Now, God certainly does approve of some, absolutely. And they are blessed and empowered of God and highly anointed. And the favor of God is all over them. But this guy is a washed up has been. And uh, he, he lied to the young prophet. Look at this verse 11. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he rode on it and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go, with, nor go in with you, neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I've been told by the word, word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. He said to him, I too am a prophet, as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. Wow. Watch these areas. The closer you get to the Lord in these areas of special, unique anointings, strong giftings, whether it's business or ministry or whatever career field that you are really hitting the ball out of the park, watch out for these um, temptations that would try to come to lure you in that way, to lure you in that way. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. He's done. He's done for. He's already finished right now. His whole ministry is finished. Are you ready for this? For the young prophet, he's as good as dead. God poured all of that into him and anointed him, gave him specific instructions, and he can't even do it. Okay. You're going to go do your own thing? Okay. Um, it's over with before it even really starts. Mm, 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 mm. Now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment, which the Lord, your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. That's the prophetic fathers. Those are the prophets that went before him that blew it also and never, never finished the way they should have. And he had the potential to be a prophet that would rise to preeminence in the nation and could not be bought 
could not be bribed, could not be hoodwinked because of wanting to be accepted in the popular prophets club. Come over here and we'll put you on our TV platform and we'll, we'll make you famous. Okay. Woo. Oh, Pastor Steve, I'm glad that doesn't happen in the church today. The politics are sick sometimes that run throughout the church. I, I don't want to paint the church as not being holy and pure, but I am telling you there are stained areas where the politics are abhorrent in the nostrils of our holy God. Mm, 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 mm. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, well, might as well finish your meal. Might as well eat the filet mignon. I mean, if it's all over, might as well have a last good meal, right? <laughs> that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. A lion, a type, a symbol, a shadow of Satan himself. And the only reason that the lion could do it was not because God killed him, but God pulled back that protective hedge of protection because this man was disobedient and allowed the devil to come in, typified by the lion, to go in and kill an incredibly gifted and anointed prophet. He's dead now. Wow. Mm -mm. I'm telling you, you get, you get into these certain areas of the zone, be careful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everything's flowing. Yeah, the glory's there. You think the devil's happy about that? Oh, we don't magnify the devil. We magnify the Lord, but better fly low in your area of humility. You better stay close to the Lord. That way we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise God. Amen. And there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road and the lion standing by the corpse. Then they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Now, when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, it is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. And he spoke to his son saying, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled it. Then he went and found this corpse thrown on the road and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse nor torn the donkey. He was only allowed to take out that prophet. And he did. There's a donkey standing right there. Well, sure, it'd be a lot easier to kill him and eat him, but no, no interest. It was on assignment to take out the man of God. Mm -mm. In our American church, which sometimes can be a little bit soft and uh, not have an understanding of the fear of the Lord, of the goodness of God, but also of an area where the Lord says, Hey, I put that much into you and I've invested that much into you. And we've walked together for years and years and I prepped you for this. And now I, I release you and you start walking in it. And the moment I do, you turn traitor on me and you backstab me. God says, okay, I'll, I'm sending a lion. It's over with right now. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. Here's, a, here's an amazing story. This is uh, something that was written by Archbishop Benson Idahosa.
a man that many call the Pentecostal grandfather of the African church. I want you to hear what he said. Let me get a drink of hot tea real quick. This is an amazing experience that he had happened in his life. Amen. Very similar to what you hear about these stories in the Bible. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says in 1976, in June of that year, Benson Idahosa says, my wife and I went to visit our spiritual parents whom I have known since 1960. Now his spiritual mom and dad were T.L. and Daisy Osborne living in Tulsa. Okay. While we were there, the Lord led these, uh, spirit. He led my spiritual father to me to say, Benson, come to the car. My wife and I went into the car and began to drive us around. And he said, the Lord, and, and this is T.L. Osborne saying this. He said, the Lord wants me to be a blessing to you and your wife. And uh, Benson says, That's, uh, that this was going to be like a temptation for me. But listen, because God was working here, God can do some testing sometimes. Now watch this. Benson Idahosa says, when God ask you to bless me, don't use it to tip me because I will never say no. So uh, T.L. Osborne took us to three of the uh, three wealthy places. One was most wealthy, one was wealthy, and the other was a well-to-do area. And he took Benson Idahosa and his wife, and he took them to these three places. And he said, I want you to choose a home out of the three homes that I'm going to show you that are for sale. And T.L. Osborne said, my ministry foundation will buy the home that you select. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Now, he says, my wife and I went with them. We did not know which of uh, the three areas that we were going to see first. He said, we started with the well-to-do area. And the first home that T.L. Osborne and his wife showed to me and my wife, the first home we saw was a four-bedroom home. It had a basement, and it looked so beautiful. And the home, the home was a beautiful house. So we said, we choose this home. This is the one we want. Now remember, he's from Nigeria. He has been in America for a, a few years ministering. And everybody, of course, in America really loved him because he had, a, he had a tremendous anointing. But he had not really broken through back home in Nigeria. So he's being, an, he's being offered a four-bedroom home with the basement in a very nice area of town. And T.L. Osborne is saying, my, my ministry will buy this home for you. And uh, so he said, uh, Benson Idahosa said, we choose this one. And uh, uh, T.L. Osborne said, don't choose yet. So he takes him to the second area, which is a wealthy area. And Benson Idahosa said, we entered the home. And this home had four bedrooms, two guest rooms, two living rooms, a music room for the children, and a swimming pool. And Benson Idahosa said, I choose this home. But T.L. said, now wait, I want you to see the other home. 
He then took us to the most wealthy area, the most wealthy area of Tulsa. And we got out of the car. We went inside the home that was for sale. And my wife, Ben Idaho's wife, said in our native language, we don't need the first two because this house was so beautiful. And so he said, we choose this home. And we asked how much. And they said, this home is $1.2 million. Now, he said that, uh, Mr. Idahosa said the income of his ministry that year was $3,000. And T.L. Osborne said, look, I'm going to buy the home for you. My, my foundation will buy the home for you. And you can pay us back later. There's no rush. You can pay us the money back later. And so uh, when he said that the home was $1.2 million, then Bensa Iahosa said, sweat came all over me. And he said, I, I don't like the price, but I, uh, I love the house. And T.L. Osborne said, don't worry, about the, don't worry about the price because we're going to pay for it. And you could just pay us back. It's no problem. Mm. T.L. Osborne, uh, excuse me, Benson Idahosa said, everything was in that house. I could see where my bed was going to be. Well, he and his wife were all excited thinking about that home. And uh, they're staying in the house of T.L. and Daisy Osborne. So that night they had dinner and uh, Benson Idahosa and his wife went to sleep. At two o'clock in the morning, Benson Idahosa heard God talk to him. And he said, son, and Benson Idahosa said, who? And the voice said, I, your heavenly father. And Benson Idahosa said, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. <laughs> God said, have you finished? He said, yes. God said, go home. If you stay here, I'll kill you. Mm-mm. Benson Idahosa said, I began to cry while speaking in tongues. He began to say, I shall die. <laughs> Excuse me. He began to say, I shall not die, but I shall live. You know how we try to make a positive confession <laughs> when God's not in a situation. He said, I touched my wife and told her, the Lord said we should go home, that we shouldn't take that house, that if we stay here, he's going to kill us. My wife said, let him talk to me. And he said, the Lord is serious. She said, well, he didn't tell me if he's going to kill you, let him kill you. He's not going to kill me. So she's like, I'm staying here. <laughs> I'm not giving up this house. Woo. He said, I stood up and went to the room of the man of God and his wife knocking on their door. Papa. That, that's how they uh, speak to their spiritual parents. And T.L. Osborne said, yes. And um, Benson Idahosa said to T.L., he said, the Lord asked me to go home or he will kill me. And T.L. said, are you okay? Are you all right? He said, yes. So uh, Daisy Osborne said, Benson, go and sleep. The excitement is troubling you. He said, no, it's not excitement. It's the Lord who says he's going to kill me if I don't leave. So Benson Idahosa goes back to the room where his wife is at and says, let's go. In a few hours, we will die if we stay here. She said, you may die, but not me. So he immediately, 
he grabbed his stuff and he left for the airport because he thought he was going to be dead by six o'clock in the morning. So by 5.20 a.m. that morning, he's got a taxi. and He's already on the way to the airport. He says, when I arrived in New York, I called the man of God, T.L. Osborne, to check on my wife and to ask if, if she is dead. He said, well, she's here if you want to talk to her. And uh, he said, yes. So he gave, T.L. Gave, gave the phone to his wife, and he said, I spoke to her, and, um, and obviously she's still alive. But then T.L. Osborne got on the phone and said, Benson, if you obey God, having seen all you saw and choose to go, the Lord shall honor your faith. So Benson Idahosa says, from New York, I flew to London and from London to Lagos, Nigeria. Between New York and London, the Lord said to me, everything you saw in America that you like, if you go and do what I call you to do in Africa, I shall give them to you and more. He said, I began to cry because I have never seen that type of house before, and there is no way I could see that type of house in Nigeria. He said, Lord, how am I going to have a house like the one they wanted to give me? And you asked me to go. And the Lord said, preach me to the world, and I will give you more than what you asked for. Go home and do what I raise you up to do and you shall have more than need it. When I arrived home, I went to the telephone company to call America, and my wife was still alive, and he said, when are you coming? He said, bring my luggage, because he went so quick, he left his luggage, his main luggage. He said, bring my luggage when you are returning. Now listen to this. He says, the next month I held a crusade, and before then, our attendance in any crusade used to be 2,000 or 3,000 people. But the first crusade after that experience was 10,000 people. And then the next one was 20,000 people. A year later, 100,000 people in our crusade. And he goes on to say that he has stood before 1 million people at one time to proclaim the gospel. And he goes on to say that his home there that he eventually built in, in Nigeria, his home was bigger than the giant home in Tulsa. Matter of fact, his guest, he calls them small guest homes that are next to his mansion. His small guest homes are bigger than the mansion that was in Tulsa. Very interesting man. Very interesting man. When you walk in that high-level anointing, regardless of what your career field is, is, you have to be explicitly obedient to the Lord. You know, there was a time when he was in Nigeria, and he became very famous because of the tremendous anointing upon his life. And uh, some crooks stole his Rolls Royce, and it's gone, and he doesn't know who took it. So he stands up and proclaims, it'll be back within 12 hours. <laughs> well, the thieves, uh, later that day, they had opened the uh, glove compartment and uh, his wallet fell out. When they saw the wallet and saw that it belonged to Benson Idahosa, they became terrified. And within 12 hours, that Rolls Royce was returned to him 
washed and detailed, and they all repented before God and to him for having stolen his car. I tell you, there were, there were times he would go before like a national stadium and he would go to the officials over that stadium and say, I need that stadium. And because they were Muslims, they would say, no, you can't have it because he wants to have it for a crusade. He said, no, you don't understand. I need that stadium. And you know, the head guy would say, nope, you're not going to have it. Well, within a, within a day, within a 24 hour time period, he's dead. That guy that said no is dead. So he would go back the next day. Now speak to the second in command. I need the stadium. Uh, and they called on quick. Oh, okay. We see what's happening here. Uh, people are dropping dead. <laughs> and that happened uh, uh, quite often, praise the Lord. But my friends, God's going to take you into some great things. But you must be committed along the journey to not compromise along the way. I've had some very interesting emails over the years. I've had people that have been perplexed and have emailed me and say, um, Pastor Stephen, I, I can see your um, YouTube account and I see how many viewers, uh, how many subscribers you have. This doesn't make any sense at all with the type of teaching that you're putting out. Uh, this doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm like, I know it doesn't. I know it. And it's okay because I know why. I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, if you do this, uh, you, you, could boop, you could beef it up a whole lot more. And I'm not saying those that have larger subscription bases are compromised, not by any means. But I do know a lot of people in my field, a lot of ministers that have done certain things. Uh, where if you uh, get into certain things, you can, yeah, you can beef it up a whole lot. I, I won't tell you how to do that, but I know how, I know how some of them have done it. And because of that, they've hit their ceiling and they will never go beyond what their current ceiling is. They'll never taste the thick glory because of certain things. And, and some of them raked in millions. I know, and I know how they did it over the last few years, raked in millions and millions of dollars. I hope they enjoy it because they had their high water mark. And when the glory comes, you can't play games with the Holy Spirit. You can't have shenanigans going on in your life. And then somehow just think you can walk over here and work in miracles. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So there are those who along the way have said, hey, we're not playing those games. And if we have to do that to get on your platform or to be a guest on your show, uh, God bless your show. No, thanks. Praise the Lord. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is working in many ways right now. Um, you're, you're going to see the glory. I do believe that revival is coming, but in the, in the fun, in the good, the goodness of everything that it brings, you better stay on your toes. You better stay on your toes and stay in prayer and stay humble and let God work through you. Amen. Let mighty things happen and refuse the devil's goodies. There is a, there is a part of the devil. Let me give you an example with the early church, first, second, third centuries of Christianity. The church was under tremendous persecution and the more the church was persecuted, the more the gospel spread and the more 
uh, salvations there were, and the churches kept growing and multiplying. Where in the fourth, the fourth century, the devil switched tactics and backed off of the persecution. And now instead of persecution, uh, persecuting the church, basically said, I'll, I'll just, I'll give you what you want. Okay. So I'm not going to persecute you anymore. I'll come, I'll come from another angle and I'll make you so fat and so lazy that you become lethargic and you back off your prayer life because now I'm giving you things that you just walk into and, uh, and he'll even give you unlawful things to maybe appease you or just to get you to be quiet and, or back off the message or don't preach it with such a bite or edge to it. And it's surprising how many took it. And that's why eventually the church went into what we would call the dark ages. Not that there have not been revivals and moves of the spirit in every century, but the dark ages weren't called the dark ages for nothing. There was a reason for that. And it was because of a lot of the complacency, uh, people selling out. Do you know that last year, I don't know really what happened this year. I didn't follow it, but, but, um, last year, evangelical leaders went to Davos for the W, uh, EF meeting, the world economic forum. You might be thinking, well, isn't that for the billionaires and for the, uh, the godless elite who hate Christians and who hate God? What are they doing there? Some evangelical leaders representing denominations which have voting blocks of 30 or 40 million people, like minimum. Some leaders, they oversee like a denomination of 10 million, others 30 or 40 million. They went over there and basically got bought out by billionaire entities and uh, large corporate entities that give hush money and kickbacks if you just back off back off abortion, back off uh, all of these other things that scripturally are, you know, the Bible is against, but you're going to have to go back and back off of them and begin to preach a water, more watered down version of the gospel. Get, we'll give you lots of hush money and you and your families can live in luxury with uh, lots and lots of money. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of corrupt backroom deals. The reason we see it happening in politics with our national leaders is because it's actually going on in the church. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But I see a bright future for you, and the Lord is coming back soon. This end-time revival is going to roll. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be off the charts, and we're going to get it done. And before we know it, we'll be going to meet the Lord in the air. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for everyone that's watching right now. We just thank you, Father, for the spirit of the fear of the Lord resting on us that we don't have areas where we're for sale. <laughs> we don't have areas where we're, we're needy and, okay, I'll accept it, even though we are now sitting with somebody that is a misrepresenter of the purity of the gospel. We thank you, Father God. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. I pray you strengthen your people, strengthen those that are watching. And if there are any that have done some crooked stuff, let them unload it as much as they can. Let, the, let them give it back or whatever the case might be to wash their hands and to repent while there's still time. We thank you, Father God. 
We thank you, Father, it says in your word that a bribe blinds the eyes, and people lose all discernment between good and evil, between right and wrong. So, Father, we just thank you. We'll have nothing to do with that. We give you praise. We give you praise. Strengthen your people. Bless them, Father God. Thank you, and take them in to the greater glory. Now, Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't chase popularity. Whoo! Just chase God. Stay faithful and true to his word and let him do whatever he wants to do with your life. Praise God. Be content with who he's called you to be. Praise the Lord. Amen. And many of you, you are called to a place of prominence. You are called to a place of influence. Some of you, some of you uh, locally, regionally, some even nationally, some even internationally. But let the Lord do it and walk in humility. The Lord told Abraham, I'll make your name great. So there can be a covenant aspect of blessing of fame when it's given by the Lord. But if you tried to climb a ladder to get there and make that happen in your own strength, in your own flesh, um, then they'll own you when you get to the top. And I've seen those, I've met those who've, who've done it, who've gotten to the very highest echelons. I've seen it in, in what we would call the Hollywood realm of uh, the most famous actors in the world. I won't, say, I won't say any more about how I know that, but you talking about reaching the top, being, being pure when young, and then reaching the top and absolutely corrupt, and now just in every type of sin and filth you can imagine. But they're, they're world famous. They, could, they have the money. Woo, they got the money. Yep, and they're, they're, they're just a poor person with money. That's all they are, spiritually bankrupt, without God, lost in their sins. And Jesus said, what does it profit a man, a woman, if they gain the whole world, but they lose their own soul? Mm -mm. So God's going to bless you real good with more than enough with the very best, but don't compromise along the way. I see a very colorful and bright destiny for you. Praise God. Guard and protect the anointing. Hallelujah. Praise God. The anointing to do what God has called you to do. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. The spirit of the fear of the Lord resting on your people. My friends, I don't care if the king or the president asks you to come have a meal. Now, if God says it's okay, go enjoy yourself. But if the Holy Spirit said, deliver the word and then get out of there, you go get a hamburger somewhere else. Praise the Lord. And we don't always need explanations for everything that God would say. But if he very accurately speaks, ooh, we must obey. Praise God. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And everyone who's heavy laden and burdened with all of the problems that are associated with trying to live your life without God, Come to Jesus, and you'll find the freedom that you're looking for. And you, you'll also find the escape out of the entrapments of the devil. Okay? So I want to pray for you. Any backslidden Christian, today's your day to get your life 
right and back with God so that you can go to heaven and escape the reality of a very real hell. Mm-mm. Pray this prayer also along with those who are first coming to Christ. Everybody now that wants to receive Jesus, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm not playing games anymore. I give you my life completely. Come into my heart. Save me now from my sin. Wash me with your precious blood and write my name in your book of life. Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name, I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say this out loud. Say, I'm not for sale. <laughs> Woo. Mm-mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory. 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 I could tell you some stories. I think I've told enough, though. <laughs> we'll have some campfire talks when you come to uh, visit me sometime. Amen. When you come to the ministry headquarters, sometimes we have cookouts and barbecues and stuff like that. Amen. We'll, we'll talk some more campfire stories. Iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. That's why these stories are in the Bible. They're there for our admonition and our learning so that we don't fall into the same problems they fell into. Praise God. Let's take Holy Communion together. I want you to grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You've got preachers today that are saying that the virgin birth never happened. You've got preachers today saying that Adam and Eve were not real people. They were just symbols of some kind of expression that God was trying to convey. Uh, You have people today that are in the pulpit saying that God didn't really create the world and that evolution is something that you can believe and still be a Christian. These people are complete liars. They are antichrist with an antichrist spirit. They are operating in the last days. Stay in the truth. Stay in the word of God. Amen. Don't sell out for something just because it's popular, because you want to get your book on the famous book club list. Well, all of the other heretic preachers that compromised just so they could make some money from book sales. Oh, there's many rock solid preachers that have really good books that sell like hotcakes. May God bless them and may the books go all over the world. But if you're putting out garbage that undermines the integrity of the word of God, then as the apostle Paul says, if you preach another gospel, may you be anathema, cursed, separated from God. If you preach any other gospel than the one that he preached, father, we pray over the bread and the juice. We bless it. And we thank you that this is the flesh and the blood of Jesus. We thank you that Jesus Christ is Lord He is the only mediator, O God, between you and lost man. Thank you. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way to you except through Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah of Nazareth, who now sits at your right-hand side. 
Father, we now receive his flesh with great thanksgiving. We thank you for your strength to take us all the way to the end in victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Let's receive together. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, your mighty, mighty cleansing, cleansing, cleansing power. We thank you, Father God, from, uh, for protection from the deception, the deception that the enemy would try to bring. We thank you for the gift of discerning of spirits. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the inner witness of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God. We give you all the praise for the blood of Jesus as a shield and hedge of protection all about our lives. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's receive together. Praise the Lord. You may be wondering why the Lord told me he's not with that one network. You know why? They have a zero interest in soul winning. Oh, they're really in the modern day pop culture. They have zero interest in winning lost souls to Jesus. They don't have enough guts or backbone to tell sinners that without Jesus, you're lost in your sins. They won't preach the gospel. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Praise the Lord. We are living in the last days, we were told by the writers of the New Testament and by Enoch himself that these would be the type of things that are going on. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us lift our hands. Father, we thank you for the cleansing power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God, that the world would say, just give in, everybody's doing it. But Father, the moment a person gives in, then the devil says, look how dirty and filthy you are. But Father, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus to stay on the straight and narrow and to walk with you and to lead others to you. Now we thank you. We're coming into the hour of your glory. We're coming into the time of the great outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And we're running out of time to get ready and prepare because it's starting to come through. So, Father, we just thank you for your grace, your strength, and for focus to be steadfast with you. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God. I pray for everybody watching that you surround them with good voices that will speak to their life if they ever start to get pulled away by the siren's call of the world to go in a direction that would wreck their ship on the rocks. Thank you, Father, for the good voices of integrity, of biblical morals and values and ethics. We thank you, Father God, in the midst of a corrupt society that we are salt and light and that your glory is falling and that you're lifting many to be the axe that you can wield to break through into areas that formerly few have gotten into. I thank you that I see many of your people as a battle axe in your hand, that you're going to shatter ancient doors 
and you're going to send them into those areas with great power and authority, great prosperity, and great blessing. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise. We thank you. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Woo! Praise God. I want to say thank you for joining me today. I'm going to pop up on the screen right now ways that you can sow into our ministry, ways that you can support us to continue doing what God has called us to do, which is to take the good news of Jesus around the world. And with, with your help, we're able to do that. So we have uh, give by text. You could actually text an offering in to the ministry. That information is on the screen now. You can mail an offering in, or you can go online to the ministry website and sow a seed that would be a blessing that will help us to continue to reach out and, and yes, go after the lost, but also build up God's people that so much need his word and his equipping help. Amen. And God is equipping the saints through the fivefold ministry. And we're here to do all that we can to strengthen God's people around the world. We've been getting a lot of testimonies lately of great things that God is doing as people have continued to feed on these teachings and on the word of God that we have been sending out. So thank you for standing with us. Thank you for your, your prayers and your financial support. And I pray that you have a great week. Praise God. And I will see you back next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.